Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. We have a new name that we think represents our goal of making people aware of different philanthropic organizations in our area. The investment we make in this radio show is really an investment in our community. We know that there are many wonderful people doing wonderful things out there, and we just want to make everyone aware of who they are and what they're doing. We hope that by sharing how our guests are making a difference, it'll inspire and encourage you to find a way to make a difference. Many people are passionate about making a difference, whether it's at a local level or has a global impact. Today we're going to find out why a soccer mom from Brookfield made a career change from finance to starting a nonprofit, and then we'll hear how over 10,000 people locally have had an impact on children beyond our borders. My first guest is Diane Studer, Executive Director of Souls for Jesus. Welcome to the show, Diane. Hello, Jill. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Karen Ellenbecker actually met someone on your board at a charity event a while ago, and she suggested that I meet with you to see how we might work together in some capacity. So I came out to your facility in Brown Deer for a tour and an info sesh, and I was really impressed. Wow, what a system you have set up there. So give us some scoop here on why a uh, a Brookfield soccer mom made a career change and what led you to start Souls for Jesus. Sure, sure. That, that That's a great question. Um, it was actually nine years ago in 2009 when, um, at that time, I'd been working for an investment firm for 10 years. Our kids were five and seven, and I just went on a mission trip with my church to Ethiopia and had no idea how life-changing that would be. It was on that trip that um, we saw the tremendous need for shoes, of course, um, but that wasn't the only reason I responded. It was on that trip, um, the last day we were in a village ministering to needy kids, and the Lord really gave me a a vision and a calling like I'd never received before to start this ministry. He gave me the name, Souls for Jesus, along with the verse from Matthew as, you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And Mm. the strategy was to share shoes as a tool in sharing the love of Christ. So that's really how it started. And immediately I came back, shared it with my husband, and he agreed that, yeah, this is something you have to do. So we established the website And by January of 2010, um, we were up and running website, receiving shoes. We had received our 501c3 from the state of Wisconsin, and we were up and running. Wow. And you you think if everything falls in place that easily, right, that it was probably meant to happen. Absolutely. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, Yeah. that's wonderful. And and, uh, a missions trip. Uh, That's on my bucket list. I want to take a missions Mm -hmm. trip. And so I had mentioned to you before that uh, I might be joining you on one of your trips. Let me know when you're ready. (laughs) So can you share an example of how shoes have impacted someone's life? Yeah. Explain, because you had had shared with me what you actually do when you're there. And it really is, it's fantastic. So share with our audience uh, what you actually do when you're there. So we work with local partners where they know where the need is. And when we do a shoe distribution in these villages, I mean, people here can hardly understand what a big deal a pair of shoes is. People will literally walk for hours when they find out that there's going to be free shoes for themselves and their kids. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, things we think of that, yeah, protects their feet from diseases. But more than that, it provides opportunity. Even in these poor villages, kids can't go to school without a uniform. And the most difficult, costly part of that uniform is a pair of shoes. 
And for adults, it creates, you know, jobs for them. And so it really is a big deal. So when you ask for examples, there's so many, but two come to mind. Um, when we start a distribution, the ones that we call out of the crowd first are the orphans and the widows. And these women are so precious. And there's a woman named Anna, 70 years old, that I met in Mozambique. And as I began to wash her feet, tears just were streaming down her face. Mm. And she began to just bow passionately, and she was speaking quickly. And thankfully, we have interpreters there, so I could learn her story. And and she was sharing with me that she still works in the fields barefoot every day. And that day, she was receiving her first pair of shoes, and she was saying how hot the ground is. And and, but you know, Anna, she was not a bitter woman. I'll never forget her words when she said, only a fool would say God doesn't exist. He's remembered me in my old age. And she was so grateful for those shoes and the gospel booklet that we gave her. And that, that was just an incredible day. I'll never forget meeting Anna. How can you not just, uh, just cry? Yeah. You know, how can your tears not just puddle, yeah. you know, when yeah. you're, when you're uh, working with someone or, or just... Uh, helping somebody in that capacity. I mean, I'm a crier yeah. anyway, but to see somebody else <laughs> crying, no. I would just be a puddle of there tears is. myself. There's times that we are washing through our tears as well, and there's something extremely powerful about yeah. washing feet. And before we start a shoe distribution, we always share with the people why we do this. It's not just because your feet are dirty, um, but this is what Jesus did for his best friends before he yeah. went to the cross to show them love. And it's really just a powerful exchange to wash someone's feet and to show them love. And then you obviously um, get to share the gospel. Then exactly. For, you know, it's yep. an opportunity yep. for you there. And that's really why Souls for Jesus exists. It's a powerful tool to be able to give someone shoes, but to be able to wash their feet and tell them that there is a God who loves you. We prayed where to go today, and he led us to your village because he's not forgotten you. He loves you, and, and that's just a really powerful message where we see God doing incredible things. We're villages that for generations have been um, you know, committed to witchcraft and, and just false hope to turn their lives to Christ and to find hope and meaning for life. Um, that's what keeps me going every day. I imagine. Now you yeah. said there were two stories. What's the yeah, other story? Yeah, so the other I'm one, of course, is kids. When it began, I really, it was the orphan, the little kids that just tugged in my heart. And in fact, we wondered if it would be a ministry just for kids. But going back and seeing the great need, we do all sizes. But yeah, there are two kids I'll never forget. It was one of my first trips and um, really realizing what a big deal these shoes were. So there were two sisters who took turns going to school every other day. They shared one pair of shoes. And again, the uniform requires you can't come to school without shoes. So they took turns every other day. And to be able to give these two girls each a brand new pair of shoes of their own, I mean, we were all just weeping. It just was so powerful because it was one of those first moments that I realized this is a big deal on many levels. Yeah, you're, you're impacting in such a powerful mm-hmm. way. How many times do you guys actually go to Africa then? Yeah, so every six weeks, a shipment is leaving our warehouse right out of Milwaukee. That's what's so exciting is that we are based right here in Milwaukee. I mean, we have up to like 18 state reps across the U.S., but we are based right here in Milwaukee. So every six weeks, 8,000 pairs of shoes are going out. So to date, we've sent over 400,000 pairs of shoes. Wow. And then once a year, we'll bring a team um, as well where people can sign up to, you know, raise their own funds and join us on a trip. Yeah. I've been to your facility, as I said before, uh, the director of of marketing, Wendy Bitter and I came out to your facility and we were able to get a a tour and it really is amazing to just go out in the warehouse and just see these large 
palettes, really, right? right? Of, yes. Of shoes and the different sizes and uh, yeah. and how something as simple as giving a pair of shoes can have such an impact. How fulfilling yes. is that? I mean, what, what do you think is the most fulfilling part of this whole mission for you? Yeah, for me, it really is when people find hope in Christ. Mm. It's like you are seeing in black and white and suddenly they see in color. It's like the lights come on, there's hope, there's meaning. I mean, do they still have hardships? Yes. But to live this life with Jesus just adds such meaning. So that is what, yes, I'm, I'm passionate about the shoes and I'm grateful that it prevents diseases. All those things are very real, but ultimately it's the soul that lives on. So just to see the impact that people are coming to know um, Jesus is Savior. That is what's the most fulfilling to me. Um, honestly, when this all began, I was not looking for a life change. I was very content with my life working at the firm. They had me networked from home. I remember meeting with my boss when I had to quit to start this. And he said, you're, you're crazy. You have the best. I said, I know, but I know that this is a calling. <laughs> you're crazy and for yeah, a mission. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he understood what I was doing, but he said, can't you do both? Because I really oh. had the perfect, they had networked me from home. They had done everything to keep me. And I was so grateful to have that job. Um, so he thought that I could do both, but I knew that this is a calling. That's the only reason I've picked this up is I want to be faithful to what he's called me to do, but he has blessed it tremendously. And that's fulfilling. We just came back with a team um, from a trip to Zambia and just to see um, what God did on those trips. I mean, to be in a village on a Saturday and to see so many people receive Christ that when we hear a testimony from that village pastor saying my church was full to overflow, um, just to see the impact, how this is coming and helping the people that are pastors and missionaries there, um, that I just come home so fulfilled. That's that's awesome. I mean, it's just something that I would love to be love to be a part mm-hmm. of. And so you're that's impacting um, not only children. Uh, but adults and families to give them, to give them hope. That's fantastic. Um, Well, stay tuned to find out how many orphaned and barefooted kids there are in Africa and what you can do to help. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group, and I am talking with Diane Studer from Souls for Jesus. So, Diane, just how many orphaned and barefooted kids are there in Africa? Yeah, that's a great question. Just in sub-Sahara Africa alone, there are over 20 million orphans. And I mean, that's just incredible to think about. And most of our, when I say sub-Sahara Africa, most of our focus and our shipments are there because we can get our shipments in. Um, we have shipped above that, that border as well. Um, we just always have to make sure that we're able to get the, get, get the shipments in and such. And, you know, when we talk about Africa, I know the need for shoes is so great, like across the whole world, but when the Lord downloaded the vision and the strategy, it was so specific for Africa. And as I've researched this out, there are a lot of different orgs that do shoes in different places, but you know, no one's going to Africa because it is extremely costly and difficult to get it in. So I know that's why he's called us and our focus to be um, in Africa. And dangerous, I'm sure too, right? I mean, you said, uh, you told me once before that you have um, partners, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, over there that you that you work with that kind of help you determine where you should go. Yes. Yeah. And even to get a shipment in, if we didn't have partners on the ground, working with government, receiving our shipments, it 
we wouldn't have integrity to the work that we're doing. It's a key piece. And so we're grateful for those partners. They have to show us paperwork from their government that we won't be taxed, that they will allow our shipment in. We explain to them where they're going, people of need, they won't be sold, black market, all those types of things before a shipment leaves our warehouse. That all needs to happen when you're doing ministry in Africa. Mm. And didn't you say that that, um, your very first trip um, was a little bit of a challenge? you know, we want to be real with people and say Absolutely. that, you know, that there there are challenges oh. out there that go along with this. Yeah. And I just think it's interesting to to hear yes. what happened initially and how yes. you, you may have, um, you could have just set it aside and said, okay, Lord, I, I, I think I probably misheard yep. you, but yeah. you didn't. So yeah. tell us, tell us that story. No, it's a great point. Anytime that you start an organization, I mean, there are bumps in the road for sure. And our first shipment to Ethiopia I mean, to be honest, we never got it back. We sent it there, and to this day, I don't know where it is, but we learned through that the key piece of having partners on the ground. And you're absolutely right. I remember going to God and saying, you know, I did it. I tried to do what you asked me to do, and it didn't work, and to wash my hands of it. And as clear as anything, um, you have those key pivotal moments that you just know that you know he's speaking. He said, "Um, you know, get back up from your pity party and Mm-hmm. listen to the strategy that I'm giving you. Yeah. And he's given us a plan that's worked. And we've, I mean, every ship, over 400,000 pairs, we've gotten them all to their des- destination. What a story yeah. on overcoming a challenge, yeah, right? Absolutely. I, mean, that, that, I think that's great. And it's great to to share that with people, you know, to be real and say, you know, there it are is. challenges. It's not all, you know, it's not an all uh, an easy road every time. So, absolutely. Um, so, Speaking of the shoes specifically, what what kinds of shoes do you accept? And then who donates them? How do you get them? Yeah. So we accept all kinds of shoes in all sizes. Now they don't all go to Africa, but we have so many partner connections that we find a good place for every shoe that we are that's donated to us we really take that seriously um, and they're donated from across the united states like i said we have state reps in about 18 different states and it's amazing how people will find the website through social media or through word of mouth and i mean our first few months we were getting shipments from california from pennsylvania from georgia and i remember just looking at our team going like being baffled. I mean, the power of just the internet and social media, the shoes come from all over. Um, a lot from Milwaukee too, but um, yeah, all kinds from all over. If you build it, they yeah. will come. <laughs> yeah. It's if so you make true. an arrangement for to yeah. get them there, yeah. you know, it, yeah. they'll, they'll, the shoes will come and yeah. that's wonderful that they come yeah. from. And when all you over. say that, it just makes me think, man, that I did not make any of this happen. I mean, when you're involved in something that God is serious about, that he, I mean, I'm just trying to, he is so steering this bus and we're just trying to be faithful stewards of what he's put before us. But it's amazing what, what he can do if you just say yes and just follow his lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point. Um, So can my child do a shoe drive in their public school, um, if if the community wants to get involved, we always like to share the all the the different ways that the community can get involved. The workplaces, um, schools. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I'm so grateful that my answer to that is yes. Um, of course, we cannot post signs that say "Souls for Jesus" in the public schools, and it may not be the right fit for the workplace. Right? Yeah, yeah. But um, we have signage that says, you know shoes for Africa, donate your shoes. That's the focus of it. Um, Because we wanted, kids were coming to us saying, we want to do shoe drives in our schools. You know, businesses were saying, this is corporate America, but we want to do a shoe drive. So yes, we only have one website. We only have one name, but we do have collection boxes and posters with signage that work in public schools. So it's so exciting to see 
kids, I mean, it's amazing. I feel like almost every school in Wisconsin has done a shoe drive because we found a way to do that. And people love giving back and shoes are an easy thing. So we've seen a huge response from the community. And, you know, after we met, I went home and said to all my kids, let's go through our closets. (laughs) And I'm kind of embarrassed to say we had like two two 30-gallon trash bags filled with shoes, some that maybe have just been worn a few times. Sure. I mean, that's that's really... um, that's really sure. kind of sad that that they sit there, but what a yeah. place! It's nice knowing that they have a place that they can Absolutely. go. Um, so, what what would you say are your greatest needs at this point, and what are some other ways that that people can can get involved? We, you had mentioned that they can have a shoe drive in their school. Sure. Um, they can do a shoe drive in their workplace. Actually, we are doing one of those in oh, August at our site, That's great. Uh, which is great. So you can, if you do have shoes. Just know that Ellen Becker is doing a shoe drive uh, at the end of August, so That's you can great. bring those in. More uh, information will be uh, on our website uh, in in the near future. But what are some of your other needs, and what are some other ways that people can help? Sure. Yeah, anytime that you're collecting an item, it can get tricky because, you know, we obviously we need shoes. And so often people will bring you two bags of shoes and they feel like they helped. And yes, they did help. But we also do need, of course, the funding, just like every other org, but to send those shoes. And I mean, gratefully, even as I say that, God is so providing. We have never had to stop a shipment because we didn't have the funds to send it. But that's a piece sometimes that people do forget. Like, you know, don't just bring that. We also have a need. But a, a great thing is we have offered like a dollar chance. Challenge. We don't make it mandatory, but when someone's doing a shoe drive, we're like, hey, can you just ask people to, if they can donate a dollar prepared just to help them, you know, well, get that's to a Africa. Good idea. Yeah, so that's yeah. a lot of people that have bid on that. And again, it's just an opportunity. Some people say, yeah, I get that. I'm happy to do that. And some people don't. And either way is okay, but just communicating that that also is a need. And then volunteers in our warehouse. I mean, we have these events that are called SOS events. That stands for Sort and Organize Shoes. And the nice thing is they're only two-hour events where we have so many sports teams, um, work groups, really anybody. Whatever group you're a part of, you can sign up for your own date or you can just come two of you you know, you and a friend and sign up with another group. But those are fun ways to volunteer and get involved. Um, We've seen people do like uh, bake sales, rummage sales to raise funds. Anything is a great idea. And we also have an annual luncheon. Um, This year it will be on November 10th down at the ICC. And we'll have about 600 people gather for a luncheon. We do a fun fashion show and uh, silent auction. So those are great items too. Sometimes people like to go and purchase an item for that silent auction and really reach out to us. If you have a gifting or something you're excited about, I'm sure we can find a way to plug you in. Okay. And that's the Italian Community Center? Yes. Yeah. Okay. November yes. November 10th. November 10th. Okay. And people can find more information on that on your website, yes, which we'll they give can. in a little bit. Yep. Um, so I'm curious though, uh, you had mentioned before, people don't really realize the the cost to shipping everything. Um, Can you give us an idea on what that cost Mm -hmm. is just so people can get an idea on the great need that that you have? Sure, sure. Well, shipment is on average 8,000 pairs. And because we're shipping to all different places, the average cost is also $8,000. So when I first learned that, I thought, how in the world are we going to do this? But again, I mean, God is making it happen. And But sometimes we go even more remotely. It depends how far we truck those shoes, how far inland we go. And that's where it gets costly because we want to go where the need is. And you would think renting a truck in rural Africa is just cheap, but there's not a lot of them. So it's not cheap. <laughs> but um, so that I always say on average, it's about a, you know, a dollar pair just for the shipping. 8,000 pairs, about $8,000. So when you say donate a dollar for each pair of shoes, yeah. that 
is where you're getting that from. That Absolutely. makes total sense. What about um, socks? You yeah. know, do do I? We all know that it's very yeah. warm in in Africa, but it's also dusty and dirty, and that might help from a, a health standpoint. Do you guys accept socks? Or yeah, just such a great question. Shoes? One a really helpful thing was we've had a podiatrist travel along with us and a doctor early on just to kind of help us understand how we can make these distributions even better. And so, of course, one of our first questions was socks. And, okay, so you have to picture rural Africa. I mean, dirty soil. They don't have a way to really wash those socks. And he said, if you have a dirty sock like that against your foot and you do have any kind of an open sore, it's actually worse because you're having all those germs against your skin. And so I thought that that was so helpful and insightful that – realizing that, okay, we're going to focus on shoes. I know often people, especially as Western world, we're like, well, you can't have shoes without socks. But we've learned that it's actually better to not have the sock. And that way, too, we can fill our shipments with even more shoes and sure. not have to do half socks, half shoes. So okay. that's the mindset behind okay, that. So now we no do socks yeah. and lots of shoes. Yes. Lots yeah. and lots of shoes. Exactly. Okay. So you have an event coming up in November, mm-hmm. and uh, we want to make sure that people are aware of that and that they can get more information on your website. So can you share contact information with us, your website? telephone yeah. numbers absolutely the website is souls for jesus so it's like a shoe s-o-l-e-s f-o-r jesus.org and the easiest phone number to remember is 800-317-SHOE very good well thank you so much for being here and thank you for yeah. all that you do for the children and the adults in in africa it's wonderful thank you and i really want to thank you jill just for the tremendous impact that you're having just empowering so many organizations and just people to be able to get involved in whatever they're passionate about and i just would encourage anybody listening if you have a passion for something um, i just encourage you to take a step i really believe that god works in the stepping and so i would just encourage you today just to take a step Absolutely. Very well said, and you are very welcome. We all understand that there is a need all over the world, actually, for basic accommodations like clothing and food, but when it affects children, it's especially difficult. So stay tuned to hear how many homeless kids known as rat children there are in Mexico City who have to sleep in sewers and resort to horrible things just to stay alive. Stay tuned to learn more. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. In our first segment, we talked with Diane from Souls for Jesus, which is located right here in southeastern Wisconsin but reaches out to poverty-stricken and homeless children of Africa. My next guest also helps the poverty-stricken and homeless children beyond our borders, but in a different way. My guest is Jonathan Smith, Director of Donor Development at Living Hope International, headquartered right here in West Bend. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Jill. It's glad to be here. I'm very thankful to, to be asked to be here and looking forward to it. We are happy to have you here. As I said before the break, there are kids known as the rat children in Mexico City, terrible name, terrible name, who have to live in sewers and resort to all kinds of horrible things just to stay alive. It's actually reported that there are over 15,000 homeless under the age of 18 living on the streets of Mexico City. You have an answer to what we can do and how we can give hope to the hopeless. So start by telling us what Living Hope International is and why you decided to work with them. 
Yeah, Living Hope International is a 501c3 based here in West Bend, Wisconsin, but supports uh, a ministry down in Puebla, Mexico. And our mission is to rescue children and train leaders. And uh, this started about about a little over 20 years ago in 1994 with the goal of, of just rescuing a, a handful of these kids, like you mentioned, these street kids who are just abandoned, who have no hope. And for me, uh, my kind of journey to this started really back when I was that same age in that, that eight, nine, ten years old. Uh, my family got really involved with a mission organization called Missionary Athletes International, and they use soccer as a way of spreading the gospel and pretty much do it not only internationally, but also locally. And my family got involved, and from that early onset, I got this picture of what it looked like to really hope or help the hopeless and and using just a simple thing like soccer to do that. And um, fast forward a, a few years, I got my first opportunity to go international and see it firsthand, see people my own age, these kids, these these kids who are, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, all the way up to, to 18 year, years old and having nothing, having one set of clothing, maybe a, maybe a set of shoes. And, and you're eight, not, you're, you're sometimes the same age as Yeah, kids, I was right? 16 the first time I was okay. able to go. Mm-hmm. And my eyes were just open to what the world was really like and, and how good I had it here. Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes it takes that for our kids, right? 100%. Yeah, to, was, to go, to travel somewhere to a third world country or just a, any place that has less than what they have for them to really realize how blessed they really are. Completely. Yeah, yeah it was It was something that my eyes were completely open to, to the need that existed. Mm-hmm. And it really began my journey of searching for a, what my role would look like in that. And I played soccer growing up my entire life, got the opportunity to play really all over the world. And my own vision for, for that was to, to be a professional soccer player and use my platform to kind of make these issues known and to give back. Mm-hmm. And Kind of like a Tim Tebow type yeah, of thing. Kinda yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> um, hopefully you know, with, with the goal of being able to communicate and show people that there's a way of giving back and having an impact on those who, who really have no hope. And God kind of changed that, that plan for me. And, mm-hmm. and so it was then this, this next journey of, okay, not a professional athlete. What do I, what do I do to, to give back? Mm-hmm. And I uh, went through this whole process of trying to find out where I fit, where my gifts are and, and kind of my eyes were open to fundraising and development, giving, a, giving people a way to give back, to truly have an impact um, on, on others who, who wouldn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. And so Living Hope reached out to me a little over a year and a half ago, and, and it was an organization that from the get-go I saw really had a heart for, for the lost, for the hopeless, for those who, who didn't have a future. And there's always hope uh, when Jesus is, is, is there, mm-hmm. when Jesus is alive. And Living Hope International strives to, to give kids especially that hope for a better future. Yeah, because there, without that, there's, there's a lot of fear, I would imagine. Oh, completely. Um, I saw a billboard uh, the other day that said, fear is contagious, but so is hope. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if you think about it, if they have no hope there, they could live their lives in, in fear. And so to have an organization that is giving hope to the hopeless, it, it, it's a great thing. So, so who staffs the, the ministry? I mean, are you the only one here locally? You said that it's a local organization. Yep. So we have, um, I'm the, the only local staff person, but we have a lot of board members who are right here local. We have um, a lot of our, our donor group is based here, but our staff are actually primarily Mexican nationals with a handful of Americans, some actually being right from this area who have come down on a short-term missions trip, really saw what was going on, the lives that were being impacted, and felt called to, to take that next step beyond just giving you know, financially, but wanted to really give their time. And so we've got a handful of American missionaries. They all raise their own support to be okay. supported. So a lot of the people back here in the States are actually really supporting these staff to, to do what they're called to do. And we've got about 50 full-time staff there. Um, and it kind of ranges between 50 and probably 70 with part-time. And this runs, you know, the whole ministry that we have going on. Um, have yeah. you had a chance to get to Mexico yourself? I have. How many how many trips have you been able to? So make I've them? been on been on two just within the last year. Okay. And it's it's such a wonderful experience because some of our staff were actually kids who who we rescued early on in our early years have grown up with us and are now serving as staff. It's kind of come full circle for them. Mm-hmm where we rescued them off of the streets or child prostitution or sex trafficking, whatever the situation may have been. And now they're serving with us and being able to provide a support base for this next generation of kids who are in the same situation as them. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. I mean, they have a, a certain ability, I imagine, oh, to relate yeah. to the the kids. You know, they're local. They see it. They live it, yes. really. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. You know, you talked about being involved at a young age and how, um, it, it, w- it was different to see this need through the eyes of a child as opposed to, uh, an adult, mm. you know, so getting involved at a young age is so crucial. I, I had a guest on the show once who had, uh, authored a book called little hands helping and, and it really was just, just that the idea that at a young age, kids can have such an impact. Oh, and my so goodness, yeah. I think in your story, it's, it's so great to share that you were so young when you were first yeah. exposed. Now you were brought up in a family of, of missionaries or you were involved in it, but right. to actually see that firsthand to, to go to Mexico and see that there was a need at that young age, and then to decide that you wanted to get involved somehow. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Isn't that similar to, um, you talked about the organization that you were involved in, but FCA, the fellowship for Christian athletes, is that similar? It's similar to, to missionary athletes international. Yeah. It's, okay. it's using sports to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. To, to really show what it looks like to not only be a Christian athlete, but how sports in general can bring people together. Yeah, and we've seen that uh, be successful in, in, in many ways. Obviously, I'm just thinking Tim Tebow, but there are other examples of that as well. There's so much to learn about um, the organization and, and what Living Hope is doing specifically in Mexico, and we're going to learn about that in the next segment. But uh, I'm always curious to know specifics on how what we do here 
affects the people we want to help across the border. So stay tuned to hear just how many kids are reached through Living Hope International. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I am sitting here talking with Jonathan from Living Hope International. Okay, Jonathan, let's talk numbers. Uh, Just how many kids are actually reached through Living Hope? So as of this year, we have now reached over 500 children, rescued over 500 children since 1994. Wow. And we currently have about 100 that are actually on site with us. And when you say rescued, what is what does that all mean? Yeah, rescued. It's a it's an interesting word because our our orphanage is really a youth home. Not all of these kids are are true orphans. Some may have parents, some may not. But we've rescued them out of abandonment, child prostitution, sex trafficking, mm-hmm. abuse, really anything that that could be life threatening. These kids are our kids now are really kids who who have no hope for a better future. They're in the worst of the worst, have no opportunity for for a real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we feel called to rescue these children from these situations and give them the opportunity for a better future. Yeah. And it's so easy to turn a blind eye, right? I mean, you yeah. know, sometimes people just you know, they could put the hand up and, you know, I don't want to hear it. You know, there's plenty of need locally and there is, there's no denying that, Definitely. but uh, we are called to reach across the border and help in, in whatever way we can. So um, that's 500 kids that you have rescued. That's, yes. that's great. Um, my understanding is that there are like three main ministry components, right? The orphanage, the church, and the school? Yeah, we actually have four and uh, just opened a kind of new fifth piece. So the first being the the youth home. Uh, it's, it's where our kids that we've rescued, they live with us 24-7. It's a way that we can kind of protect them, keep them safe from the environment we pulled them out from. Okay. And how many would you say are, are there? So we have 100 there, okay. roughly. It, it, give and takes. You know, we have kids who graduate and move out, kind of okay. like you, you would see it when they get 18, 19, 20 years old once they finish school. So up to 100. Okay. Yep. Wow. And that ranges anywhere from toddlers all the way up to 18 to 20-year-olds. We also have a school. We needed a school for these kids. Once we started taking them in in the early days, we kind of realized that these kids didn't have an education. And if you're a 13-year-old and you don't know how to read, you can't get put into a regular school. So we had to develop our own school and our own curriculum in order to meet these kids where they're at. So you have uh, – do you employ teachers from – yeah. Do you have teachers from here that go there or are they teachers that you hire there? So it's a little bit of both. So okay. we do have some Americans that come down as part of one of our, our programs called Quest where people can come and serve for extended periods of time. Oh. But then we do actually have full-time licensed teachers in Mexico, a lot of them coming from our church congregation. Okay. So our school currently, we just have a for the first time in our 20 years, have an actual building that can house over 400 students. Wow. And we're, we're now able to open that up to the public. So not only do our 100 kids attend school there, 
but we have another 40 from our direct community that are attending. And we're, we're looking at continually, gradually growing that to really have about 300 kids from the community be able to attend our school. That's great. Now, you, where did you say the, the Living Hope International is? is? It is in Puebla, Mexico. Okay. So, so just south of Mexico City. Okay. I was going to say, give us an idea yeah. on where it is and size. So. Yep. So Puebla has about 4 million people. Oh, wow. And so it's a pretty major city mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's a really it's a safe city. It's considered to be one of the safest cities in all of Mexico. Wow. But still some sordid things going on. Oh, there. always. Absolutely. It's still yeah. it's still a, a country you know, that safe. has a lot of poverty has, you know, our our area is very, very poor outside of Puebla. We're just kind of on the outskirts and. You know, the the need is there. I mean, these people are making just a few dollars a day on average. Mm. And so our kids in, that we're getting from the community are, are from those families, the really poor families who wouldn't be able to send their kids to a school to get a good education, to kind of break that cyclical cycle of poverty. Sure. And so we're trying to not only give these kids that we've rescued hope, but even kids who have families that love them, that are trying to provide for them, giving them that extra needed education to to get them to that next level yeah and then are they bust out there do you guys so right now uh mostly we do go and pick kids up okay so we've got vehicles where we'll go and pick kids up some kids it's walking distance others their parents will drop them off and our hope is now that we have a school that the community is coming to that the local government will actually pave the road leading into it so okay. we can get buses and things like that. Okay. So we have the orphanage, we have the school. Yep. And then we have the the ministry schools or the ministry institute which is a uh, three semester program that teaches young adults typically 18 to 25 on how to do ministry. Okay. So we found that as the kids in our uh, our school, we're, we're getting close to that graduation point. We needed to have not only an option for them to get into college or vocational school, but some wanted to serve in ministry. Their lives were changed by what Living Hope was doing and wanted to give back. And so we started a ministry training institute that trains young adults to to learn how to do ministry, whether it's in a church, another orphanage, starting their own ministry, whatever it might be. That's a great give back. Again, just like you said, coming full circle. They got, yeah. come up through the, the school or the orphanage or both, and, and then you provide an opportunity for uh, some type of uh, career after that. That's exactly. great. Okay. Then we have the, the church, Nations Church. We have roughly about 1,000 members in, in regular attendance at each week between our two campuses. And then uh, the last piece and the, the newest piece is Nations Clinic, our medical clinic. And uh, that is, we've got full-time on-site nurse, a pharmacy, all to promote wellness, not only for our kids and our staff, but also for those kids that are coming from the community to our school. Okay. But it's now also going to allow us to do more medical stuff out in the community and hopefully even with outside of, of Puebla itself. And our goal is really to grow that piece because... Medical care in Mexico is very hit and miss. I it's imagine. it's yeah. something that if you've got money, you can get access to it. Um, but good medical care, access to even some basic things is out of reach for some people. Mm. So again, you have people coming from the States, uh, medical staff. Yeah. So to- our, our nurse is actually the daughter of the founders. Okay. She got her um, RN here in the States. 
and came back to serve full time as our registered nurse. And then we have medical teams that come down throughout the year to do kind of bigger projects. So we just had a dental team there to do dental cleanings for all of the kids. In the school and the orphanage? Correct. And then I hopefully, as you said, with Nations Clinic to be able to reach out to the community. Our goal is to really, you know, branch out and help those who who don't have have access to it. Okay. So a lot of times uh, we talk about different ways to to give different ways that our listeners can uh, use their passions to get connected with some philanthropic organization. So we talk about time, talents, resources. So help us to explain uh, or help us to understand rather what are some of the greatest needs that you have in, in those different areas? How can someone who wants to get involved with Living Hope International, what can they do and how can they do it? Yeah. So we kind of have three words that we use for how people can get involved. It's, it's pray. So praying for the ministry, um, you know, it's, it's been almost 25 years that we've been, been around trying to, to pursue the mission that that's been placed in front of us. And the support from the community is really important. That's probably the most important one. Completely. Because right? yeah, anybody can do it and it doesn't cost a dime. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's something that takes just a few minutes and and can really make really make a difference. Uh, yeah, very powerful. Yeah. The second is is giving. So outside of just financial giving, there's there's opportunities for child sponsorship. So being able to sponsor a specific child within our youth home, develop a relationship with them, you know, whether it's through emails or co- different types of correspondence. But we also have events in Mexico, in Puebla, on campus where you can come in and interact with that child and and spend time with them. Can can people actually send gifts? Because I know we used to yeah. sponsor a child and we were able to send uh, physical gifts. But yep. then they changed that where there was, uh, uh, there were, let's just say there were problems with getting uh, the gifts to the families. And so they said money is the best, is the best way. So just send money. And then they had groups there that could go out and shop for whatever the family needed. Yeah. But there really is something to be said about having a young child go out and shop for something <laughs> right. for someone that is their same age. I mean, it's very tangible for a child oh, when they're thinking yeah. of giving. So can people give gifts definitely okay yep we can give gifts and you know there's questions about you know the mexico mail system and if that's reliable and and really we have multiple ways of getting things like that down there whether it's through our short-term missions trips or things like that so we we would encourage people to do things like that okay to send gifts so Uh, praying and giving yeah but with giving is is also and this is a big piece of how local businesses uh, can help is gift in kinds as we're trying to grow the school, as we're trying to grow the medical clinic, there's a lot of need there just for equipment and supplies. And um, the importation process makes it a lot easier for us to to bring things in. And, you know, even through our short-term missions teams, we can bring things in. So that's a big way. Are you talking like uh, uh, we had a gal in our in uh, our Bible study who did a short term missions trip, and she had asked for things like diapers and yeah. cough syrup and cough drops and aspirin, baby aspirin, things like that. Is that what you're talking it can be, about? It can be that. It can be you know we we need portable ultrasound machines. Oh, you know wow. we need okay. we need all sorts of different things. You know, for the clinic, for the school, we have a science lab, which is one of the first 
for this age group to have access to science lab and science equipment, which is normal here, but it's not in Mexico. So, you know, flasks and beakers and all of those type of things. Okay. Things you um, don't think about then. Right. So, and I'm sure all that stuff is listed on your website. Right? Yeah. So, okay. Yep, so, so before we, we go, Jonathan, can you please help us uh, to, to understand where we would go? To get more information about Definitely. Living Hope International, phone numbers, websites, that type of thing. Yeah, so you can reach us at, uh, it's a Wisconsin number, so it's 262-381-0121. And you'll talk to an American, you'll, you know, everything like that. So you can ask any questions about anything you've heard today. And then our website is lovehopemercy.com. Uh, sorry, excuse me, .org. So lovehopemercy.org. Okay. And that'll have all the information about what we've talked about, but also our upcoming event on September 20th and 21st, we have our our dinners, which are an opportunity for people to come hear about the organization, but also meet and hear testimonies from some of the kids. Last year, we brought up about 12 kids ranging all the way from 5 to, to 22 years old, mm-hmm. kids who have grown up with us, who have been rescued, and you get to kind of hear their stories. Oh, I bet that's very impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for thank being you, here with us today, and thank you again for all that you do. Um, I want to thank my guests today, Diane Studer from Souls for Jesus and Jonathan Smith from Hope and Living Hope International. If you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200 or you can go to our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to some of our shows or you can actually listen to podcasts uh, listen to the podcast on our website you can also ask Alexa for help by saying Alexa play WISN AM 1130 on your Amazon device So join us again in two weeks as we talk with other inspiring guests who will share information about how they're making a difference in our community. We hope you've been inspired to use your passion and your talents and your energy to get involved with a local nonprofit in your community and to bless someone in some way. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great night.